Hey, my name is Jeremiah Latimo, and this is Gates of Perception. The totality of the universe is it's just perception. And uh, it's how we perceive things. And uh, there are no facts, only interpretations. The, the psychical events are facts, are realities. And when you observe the stream of images within, you observe an aspect of the world, of the world within. And so, you see, the man who is going by the external world, by the influences of the external world, say society or perceptions, sense perceptions, thinks that he, he is more valid. Don't relate yourself to any person, anything, any idea. Tell me. Thank you so much for being with me on this episode today. And if this is your first time joining me, thank you so much and welcome. So today I want to talk about why men are so violent in the world that we see. I think men have always been a bit violent, but I just want to talk about men today, modern men, and identify one big reason that I feel men are violent in the way that they are which also leads them to be emotionally disconnected. So I want to tackle and unpack just one way, one big way that I feel makes up the reason that we see men being violent in the way they are today. There are several other reasons, but I just want to focus on this one. I'm not saying this is the only one. I know there are a bunch of other reasons that shape the violence we see today in men, but I want to focus on this one today. And that focus is circumcision and what happens inside inside of the male psyche when they go through an experience such as circumcision and what also happens to their nervous system and what they learn to associate and how they learn to associate with their own with their own anatomy right well I'll just use the word phallus or lingam throughout this conversation to identify that I'm talking about the anatomy of the man. So how this experience of circumcision actually shapes or creates a trajectory of not only violence, but hatred towards the feminine and also emotional disconnection. So let's get into it. A third of men in the world are circumcised. And that means that a large majority of men in the world are circumcised. So a third would be roughly 75% of the world is circumcised. And you have 25% of the men in the world that are uncircumcised. But why is this important? So circumcision happens within sometimes the first few days of a boy being born into the world. And sometimes it happens between 6 and 12 months. But still, what's happening is that we have to kind of rewind a bit and try to grasp the experience of a child. Not even a child, a baby, right? And this baby just came into the world, right? There's already a lot of things happening for that baby as they come into the world. One, they're ripped apart from their mothers and the first person to hold them is a doctor that they don't know. Right. And then the next experience is that they're 
cut from their mothers, but also sometimes children, especially children that are born in hospitals, the child is actually, the baby is actually taken away from the mother and placed in another room at times, right? To For the mother to recover, whatever it may be, but there is this kind of room where all these babies are in, right? And they're all kind of sleeping, but the mother is in another room. Like their mothers are in a separate room in the hospital, right? And there's work being done on those kids. They're being monitored. Their temperatures are being watched. Whatever it is, there's there's a set of nurses and doctors that are constantly monitoring the baby's vital signs. They're, they're just monitoring the baby to make sure everything's okay and the baby's healthy. But there's a period of separation that that child, that baby, experiences in its first moments of coming into the world, right? And then there's this other experience that's also deeply invasive where this child is immediately, I wouldn't be surprised if it was in the first 24 hours, but that child is injected with a bunch of different chemicals. And then there comes this experience that is also actually usually initiated by the mother, and fathers are in that conversation, but most of the time, what I've heard, even from close friends that have thought about having children, usually in that space, the mother is the one that thinks to herself, am I going to circumcise my child? Unless the father is Jewish and very religious or something like that, then that's a different case. Sometimes he will propose that. But based on what I've seen, the woman usually conceives of an idea of should I circumcise my child or should I not right and then from there she follows through with circumcising him right taking him to the doctor to get circumcised sometimes both parents come whatever it is so now this experience of being circumcised is also deeply traumatic and it's not discussed in spaces between men because I don't feel men understand the level of trauma that we experience within the first six months of us being born. And how that actually shapes so much of who we believe ourselves to be, but also how we look at our mothers within those first initial moments of being here on earth and interacting with her. So... Let's continue. Now, six months into being into the world, my next experience that follows up is I'm going to be circumcised, right? Part of my anatomy, part of my phallus is going to be clipped from me and cut off for whatever reason, maybe maybe religious reasons. It may be it's going to be best for me, maybe whatever ideas my mom, my parents have conceived of to lead me to become circumcised. That's their own thing, right? That's their own understanding. But for me, right, I'm this baby. This experience is deeply traumatic. Why? A baby, when it is circumcised at that age, goes through a world of pain. There are men today in the world, I forget what part of the world, but that are circumcised, their circumcision comes at the age of 30. And these men, I've seen videos of it, but these men talk about the pain of circumcision, right? And how much it hurts. 
And it's just like an experience that they should, they, they wish on nobody. So for these men, they're in their 30s. The experience is still painful, but they're in their 30s. Now I'm a baby. And the experience is even more painful. I haven't experienced any pain on this level before. And of course, I don't have any intolerance for this kind of pain. I haven't developed that level of tolerance at all. I don't know what I'm getting into. There's no kind of conversation. I can't understand. I just find myself, right, in the experience where part of my anatomy is being clipped for me. And usually I've heard people talk about, you know, going with their child. And uh, I've heard, you know, one of my friends talk about being there when her brother went to get circumcised and just hearing his scream as that took place. So this is what I'm talking about is that experience of the baby being in that traumatic experience. What is happening in their nervous system? Right, because trauma isn't stored in the experience, it's stored in the nervous system. So what am I feeling in those moments as a baby? Because also a baby is also either held down at times or there's a, mach- there's a machine that holds them down so that they can't shake too much, right? Because if I'm experiencing that, my feet are going to likely kick up in the air. My arms are going to move in a fashion that might hit the person that is performing the circumcision, right? So my body can't actually move in the way that it wants to move, right? That experience of powerlessness is locked and stored inside of my nervous system, right? So I can't kick, I can't, I can only scream, but I can't move my body to fight, right? My fight response, I can't move my body to fight in the way that I want to right now in that experience. And my flight response, I can't leave. I can't go anywhere, right? I'm locked here. I have no power. I'm just six months. And there's nothing I can do about the experience that I'm experiencing right now, this traumatic, painful experience that I'm going through. There's nothing I can do about it. So I'm stuck there, right? And who brought me here? Who brought me to this experience? This experience where I feel powerless, I'm experiencing a deep violence enacted on my anatomy, right? This is violent. This is a violent experience for me. But who brought me here? Who thought this was okay, right? My mother. My mother brought me here. So that means for me as that baby, I'm realizing that I was not protected by my mother, And this is not about blame here. Nobody is blaming anybody. It's about understanding pain and how it passes through the body. I'm in deep pain. And the person that brought me here was my mother, right? So in certain texts and certain books, it always talks about, you know, how women are responsible in a way for civilizing men. Right. So stop being like this. Start acting like this. Don't wear your shirt like that. Wear it like this. Don't speak to me that way. Speak to me like this. All of these things that children learn to hear early on in their childhood is their mother civilizing them. But part of that process of being civilized by your mother is having her take you to have your circumcision. So 
if you're following me, you can see how if in my early experiences as a little boy, I was experiencing all of this love, I was experiencing all of this violence enacted on my body, right? This experience of separation. I'm not with my mother, right? This longing that I have for her and the ways that she's showing up very early on in my life actually set the pace. They set the tone. They set the foundation. We're, we're laying the bricks down and these are my first experiences. What am I feeling in those moments is a lot of rage, a lot of hatred, a lot of feeling of powerlessness, and a lot of confusion as well. The reason I highlight this experience as one of the biggest reasons that men are violent today is because the foreskin of a man's anatomy is one of the most sensitive parts of him. Sensitive. Listen to what I'm saying. Sensitive. So what's happening early on in my experience of being a boy is that my sensitivity is being cut off, is being clipped. Because I'm told there is something wrong with my sensitivity, right? This is the process that I'm going through. This is the experience that I'm going through as a baby. This is what I'm being told. If I'm just looking at the energy, I'm just reading it. I'm told that my sensitivity, right, needs to be cut off. Because I'm experiencing what in this moment, in this circumcision? A form of rites of passage in a way, right? Into boyhood. And one of those rites of passage is that I have to be circumcised. Well, what's taken away from me? My sensitivity. So where else do I receive this messaging as I enter adulthood? There's another circumcision that I go through. There's another mutilation that I go through, right? So that was one from baby to boyhood. And then there's boyhood to adulthood. But where do I get that messaging again? Where my sensitivity doesn't belong and it needs to be, it needs to be cut off. I need to get rid of it. I received that same messaging within boyhood. When I enter competitive atmospheres of sports, when I engage with my father, as he tells me, boys don't cry, stop being so weak, men up. I receive that messaging, right? And then everywhere I look, I'm seeing men, young boys, young teens, being shamed or bullied for being sensitive. I'm getting the same messaging again. So what's going to happen now is that the culture is not only mutilating me, but now I have to go through my own form of self-mutilation to where I cut a part of myself off because it does not belong here based on what I'm told. So then I go on living without that part of me. And then I enter into adulthood. So what am I more likely to do? I'm going to become very emotionally disconnected, one, but I'm also going to become very violent. Because what has happened to me is that there has been a violence enacted on my anatomy. 
So what then I then do as a child is I associate violence with sex, violence with intimacy, because this is what's happened to me. This is what I've learned. So then I think this is how the world works. This is how a man relates to his own anatomy. And therefore, this is how he needs to relate to the anatomy of someone else. I'm talking about more a cultural wounding that takes place inside of men. I've shared before, but there is different layers of our wounding. And one, of course, the most obvious is our personal story, our personal wounding, our personal wounding. But then as you move and expand that sphere from the person to the culture that I exist in, right? The culture that the person exists in, that also shapes a wound for me. So as I expand that sphere out from culture to collective, right? Because as that culture, then I realize that all of the people within this culture, I am a part of, and they are a part of me. Just as the wave is one with the ocean, right? I am one with humanity. Humanity lives in me, just as I live in all humans. There's an aspect of me, there's a part of me that is in all humans. So now I enter a collective wounding. But then beyond that, I enter a sphere that includes the planet, right? I am a part of the earth, the earth is a part of me. What is my relationship to the earth? What is the earth's relationship to me? I've entered another sphere of wounding. And then the last is my spiritual wounding. So me as something greater than the human being, something beyond the human being, as a spirit, as a soul, what are some of the relationships that I have, right? The relationship to our, the greater spirit, the relationship to a, what I would call God or the universe or a divine force, whatever that is, there is a relationship there too that I actually might be able to identify some level of wounding within. So what I'm honing in on today is not the personal, right? The personal experience about why men are violent in the way they are. I'm talking about more of the culture wounding, the cultural wounding that shapes the violence within men today. And it's the fact that we don't have spaces to talk about these things that perpetuates the wounding. Men don't have space to discuss the pain that they've experienced throughout their life, and it perpetuates the wounding. It perpetuates the isolation, the shame, the guilt, because the reason that we then sometimes even feel shame or guilt when we're operating in a way that doesn't really feel genuine to who we are is because we don't know why we're doing the things that we do. It's like there's, there's a missing piece, and that missing piece is being able to have these conversations but also creating spaces for them because then other things are then opened up. Other things are unraveled, such as the conversation we're having today, which is about the impact that circumcision has on the male psyche, how that shapes who a man becomes. This is important because if I learn to relate to my own anatomy from a place of violence, because that's how it was first, right? That's how my first experience was towards my own anatomy, was experiencing it violated in such a traumatic way, I then learned that's how I relate to this part of myself, this part of my body. 
But what happens as well is that the emotions, let's talk about the emotional disconnection that happens because of that experience. Because I'm clipped away from my sensitivity, what happens is then I also learn that it is actually probably more manly, more masculine, more acceptable to express my rage, my feelings my of sadness, of shame, of grief. It's more acceptable to express those emotions in a sexual way, right? Because this is what's acceptable. Me operating, this is the cultural wounding, me operating in a way that's dominating over others, me being praised for devaluing women, me being praised for having multiple sex partners, right? So I learned that when I dominate women, that my sexuality is something to take pride in, but there's still shame there. So the only way for me to mask it then is to essentially eroticize my own wounding because it's easier for me to express my rage in a sexual manner rather than to sit with the fact that I'm actually deeply, deeply sad and experiencing grief and loss over the childhood that I did not have, over the protection that I did not experience, right? So it's easier for me to say, oh, I just want to have sex with more women, right? I am actually just going to violate this person. I'm just going to assault this person because that is a quote-unquote easier way to process this pain rather than sitting with it and then finding out the part of me that feels that's holding on to all of this unprocessed grief, anger, resentment, bitterness, sadness. So eroticizing my wounds becomes easier than actually being with them. Right? Because sex becomes the doorway for me to connect to those emotions in a way that keeps them actually at bay, but still allows me to connect to them at some distance, but not too close because I can disconnect myself from the feeling of connecting to someone else. I keep the, the, the fear of intimacy and closeness at bay. But I also get to tap into it just a little bit, just a little bit, right? I just get to connect to it to the point of my own comfort, but not to the point where I let somebody in. So when we are talking about men and their violence towards the feminine, it's about seeing who was the first feminine figure, the feminine model that a man received. And it is the mother. That's why the mother wound cuts deeper than any wound. For both men and women, it cuts way deeper than any wound. Every other relationship that we have on this earth begins and ends with separation. Meaning that I meet you. We come together, but I'm already separate from you before the moment that we come together. For example, me and my father. He meets me, right? My mom places me in his hands and we finally meet. That first started in separation, right? I was apart from my father. Now I am again together with my father. But with my mother, it's the only experience, it's the only relationship that I have that does not do that. 
I actually begin with her. We don't begin in separation because I shared a body with her. I shared an identity with her. I shared food with her, right? So I'm actually, for the first nine months of my existence, of being born into this world, me and her are just one person. All of my other relationships, I can't say that about. So this is what I mean that it's not about blame. It's about understanding how pain passes through the body. I'm separated from this woman that I once shared a body with, that I once shared food with, that I once shared an identity with, right? That wounding is going to cut very deep, especially when that woman rejects me, especially when that woman does not love me, especially when that woman abandons me. It's going to cut deeper than if my father does it. And it's not to minimize the father wound. And it's not to minimize the role the father has in shaping the man. It's about understanding these wounds and how they're passed through the body. Like what's happening inside of the body. It's about being able to see, wow, of course, this would have more of an impact on me as a child. Because I just shared a body with this person and now we're separated. So I say that, so I say all of that to say is that we see a lot of men being violent towards women and men need to first understand the relationship they formed with their mothers and how that still impacts them today. How they view their mother, what perception they hold towards their mother today, how their mother treated them, how they wanted to be treated, and what ways did they feel powerless. It's important to identify this because a lot of men today are seeking power. Every man in some shape or form is striving to reach some level of power, right? Men want to feel powerful. And that shows up in very violent ways today because sexual assault is not about sex. It's about power. It's about feeling powerful and asserting power over others. So when men, we find ourselves experiencing men today enacting all of this violence on the people around them, on the people they love as well. Most of the time, most cases of sexual assault are with people that a woman knows. It's a man that she knows. It's not some stranger. I think that's less than 20% of the cases. But most of the cases are with people they know. So what I'm saying is that we need to have spaces to where men can have the freedom and have the, the space created for them to identify where they first felt powerless. And again, it may not come back to circumcision, but it may be come back to what they can remember first. How far can they trace that feeling back? And working with that. Because I think when men can identify when they first felt powerless, rather than trying to brush it to the side, right? Rather than trying to build a persona, build a, a body, a set of muscles, or a set of achievements to cover up for that feeling, but instead actually deeply feeling that 
moment, coming back to it in whatever way they can to feel that again, to recognize how powerless they felt in those moments and validate that experience rather than brushing it to the side and ignoring it or suppressing it with everything they have. Being able to recognize that and validate that young boy that was there in those experiences, and it was probably not once, it was probably more than once, where they felt powerless to be able to be with that young boy. Because that's the young boy that's enacting all of these things today. That's out of control. That's acting out. Because it didn't have any form of power when it was 12, 15, 6 months years old. It didn't have any power. But now it has a voice. Now it has a set of achievements. Now it has money. Now it has influence. What is that boy going to do? It's going to abuse all of those things. All of them. A woman trusts him with her body, with her heart. More likely than not, going to abuse that. So it's about being with the parts of ourselves that once felt powerless. No one to turn to. No one to listen to them. No one to hold space for them and to validate their experience. And being the one that actually does turn to them, that actually does validate their experience, that holds them in their brokenness, in their darkness, and says, everything you're feeling is okay. And I love and accept you. We have to come to that place inside of ourselves if we really want to see change in the world. But if we continue to ignore the wounds that we've carried over into our relationships, into our adulthood, into what we think is masculinity, we will continue to see more of what we don't want. So I think that's really, really important. I think, I think our women will feel the difference. I think it would mean a lot to our women to watch us go through that work, to take responsibility for our own wounds. Because again, like I said earlier, there's nobody to place blame here. It's not about pointing the finger. It's about understanding that this is a matter of intergenerational trauma. This is about how trauma is passed throughout generations. And how that affects you today. Because the reason somebody did something in your family, the reason somebody spoke to you the way they did in your family, right? the reason somebody treated you or abused you in the way they did, was because that was the pain that they could not unlearn. So that's the love that they then gave you. But it was the pain they couldn't process. That. So it's the pain that we, our families, our grandmothers, our grandfathers, our great-great-grandfathers, our culture, our society has yet to unlearn. And the pain that is yet to be released, yet to be felt, remain stored and locked and banished into the unconscious mind. And then that shapes our experience, that generates our reality. Because whatever is not addressed becomes a part of our reality. What we do not want to have a conscious relationship with becomes a part of our reality. It takes the shape of a relationship. It takes the shape of a lover. It takes the shape of a, a boss a president, whatever it is, it will take that form 
so that we can finally meet it from a conscious place. So again, this is not about blame. It's about responsibility. So in the work, it's always about working with what's in our immediate experience. So if in my immediate experience, I can identify some shame that I've been avoiding, some blame that I place on my mother, some blame that I place on my father, some unprocessed anger, or some outburst of anger that are so frequent that I have no control over them. Whatever it is, I can work with what's in my immediate experience. And then I can use that to track where my wounds lie, where my pain came from, right? And that's the process, but I have to commit myself to it. So thank you so much for being a part of this episode. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for those that take the time out to leave a review, to share with those that they know will resonate or appreciate this episode. And thank you all so much for continuing to listen and supporting this podcast. I really, really appreciate it. And I can't thank you enough. And I wish you all a beautiful day and a beautiful evening. And I'll see you on the next one.